Welcome to another edition of the Business and Personal Podcast, where we bring you closer to the people you do business with. And we're excited today to have Marta Kaninsky on with us. She's the Director of Therapy Services at Surgeon's Choice, and she has a very compelling story of what draw, drew her uh, to that role at Surgeon's Choice. But uh, first of all, Marta, thanks for joining us today. Thanks for having me. So when I was in high school, uh, my favorite sport was volleyball. Uh, during a game in my junior year, I ended up falling after jumping up uh, to block a shot and I hurt my knee. I tore my meniscus and my MCL, ended up having to have surgery. Um, before I could go back to volleyball for my senior year, which was really important to me, I ended up having to go to outpatient physical therapy, which I had never done before. Um, my PT, Tony, was incredible. I still remember his name to this day because he is what inspired me to go into the field of physical therapy. Um, because of him, I was able to go back my senior year and I was the captain of our team. So it meant really a lot to me to be able to go back and be so successful. Um, you know, I always wanted to work in healthcare and I knew that, but I didn't know what. I thought maybe I would be a doctor or a nurse. And then after this experience, it completely changed my mind. Um, I went on after that to get my bachelor's at Wayne State. And then um, I got my doctorate at phys or in physical therapy at Columbia in 2013. So I've been practicing for almost a decade now. So what was it about that rehab process um, that really opened your eye to the things that can be accomplished? And, and are some of those things that were done back then still in practice today? Yeah, so um, some of the things that you know are important to physical therapy, depending on the injury, are um, you know strength, range of motion, in terms of mobility, and those things are still important today. Um, many health systems are actually implementing this um, enhanced recovery after surgery pathway, which is intended for patients to be getting up earlier, moving sooner, doing things faster. And that's what research is showing to be the best way to heal. So um, not so much for my scenario because I was in outpatient therapy, but when we work in inpatient therapy, which is what we have at Surgeon's Choice, you know, getting out of bed after surgery is really important because it decreases post-op complications like blood clots and breathing issues like pneumonia. Um, it increases the rate of wound healing, strength. It decreases your chance of skin breakdown. Um, uh, it also decreases your length of stay in hospitals or in, in healthcare systems, which decreases healthcare costs, which is a big deal in America these days because insurance companies guide everything. You know, So um, early mobility is just really important. Even going to outpatient therapy as soon as possible after your um, surgery, after your, your surgeon recommends it, is really important. It's a lot of the a lot of the, what people don't understand is that it's about you. You're the one who has to self-motivate yourself to go to therapy. No one's going to force you to go there. Your doctor writes a prescription. He doesn't hold your hand to take you there. So it's all up to you to do it on your own. And it's still that way today, you know? And it does take a lot of motivation. And I understand like some of it's self-motivation too, but at times, do you feel like you're helping people through the mental aspect of recovery as much as the physical? Absolutely. Yeah. You know, when I was uh, a student at Wayne State, I studied uh, health psychology. So psych is a big part of my past. And when I went to PT school, that was something that interests me is the combination of mental and physical healing. It's not just one, it's 50-50 really. You know, a lot of times we have patients who are here because they have a physical, you know, mobility issue or safety issue, but really at 50% of it, like I said, is mental, the psychological component of it, being able to motivate yourself to come to therapy, to participate, to be successful, you know, it's all on, on the patient. And sometimes that's really hard. You're by yourself, especially during COVID, you know, there were times where visitation wasn't allowed, where you had to have therapy in your room. You couldn't exit. You couldn't come out. You couldn't see other people or other patients participating in therapy. It was just solo, you know? 
So that takes a big toll on people. And now that things have kind of calmed down and we're able to social distance and, and bring patients to the gym and have more um, ability to spread out, I think it has really helped people because a lot of time, you know, we spend time talking about safety and education and that goes into the mental aspect of it too. So I think it's 50-50. A lot of times people forget about the mental aspect of it for sure. And what are some of the most popular techniques you're working on right now? I know everybody's got a different kind of recovery process, but uh, what are some of your favorite ones? Um, so I guess what I, what I love a lot is um, like protocol and policy management. So when I started working at Surgeon's Choice, we didn't have any protocols for any of our surgeries. And most of the surgeries that we do here are a spinal fusion and total joint replacement, whether it be you know, a shoulder or a hip or a knee. So when I first started working here, we didn't have kind of any protocols. It was kind of just like patients get up, they have to have therapy, but what are we supposed to do? What are the goals? So I created uh, these protocols for our surgeons and for our pathways. And so now um, when you have a spinal fusion here, there's a set like timeline for when therapy is supposed to initiate your evaluation, how often you should be getting up, what kind of equipment you should be using, what kind of um, precautions should you be following? Um, <clears throat> All things like that. In addition, you know, we have uh, we have protocols for patients after they discharge too. So it's not just about what you're doing on the first day or the next day. You know, because patients are only staying maybe a day after these kind of surgeries. Um, we still have an addition exercise protocols that follow you at home because you will still have the ability to have home care therapy and then eventually transition to outpatient therapy. And it's a long road for recovery. It's not overnight. You know, sometimes this takes six or eight weeks to heal from that kind of surgery. Sometimes it takes longer than that if there are complications. And so the protocols are really meant to follow you the entire length of your recovery. And again, you know, everybody has a different recovery process. So do you look at things that like how physically active a patient is and that's going to determine like what their rehab plan, you know, those sorts of things? Yeah, absolutely. So um, I think that you know, exercise and like your protocols are great, but you have to take into account multiple factors. So before I can answer all of that, I'm gonna give you a little background info. So when patients have surgery and then they're admitted to like a hospital floor, a physical therapist, occupational therapist establish these treatment plans and goals for patients. The therapy team in the hospital has certain goals for patients so that they can be safe to go back home. So most of the time we're talking about being able to be safe enough to walk around your home, get dressed, you know, do things like that. The home health therapist and the outpatient therapist are the ones who upgrade those goals and make you uh, more independent for work, the community, you know, things like that. Um, based on that info, I think that the long-term treatment plans can vary depending on you know, factors such as age and activity levels. It's pretty standard in our head, like what we're expecting to find. But when you take into consideration all these extra factors, it can change. You know, If a patient was independent prior to their expected out or um, if they were independent prior, then their expected outcome for them after surgery is to become independent again. If they weren't independent before, then sometimes the assumption is they may not be back to that level after surgery either. But you know, there are times where patients are only having surgery because their pain is what's limiting them. It's not that they're unsafe or that they're older or their activity level was decreased because they didn't want to. They couldn't because they had so much pain. So in, for example, if you're having a total joint replacement, if you're having a lot of pain, your mobility is limited prior to surgery, and then all of a sudden, you know, you have this new joint and you follow the protocols for therapy, you have the potential to go back to being even more independent than before because you're limiting the pain, you know, that arthritis, all the things that people are complaining about. So 
just because you weren't as active before doesn't mean you can't be more active after surgery and after you finish your therapy recovery, you know? And how big of a hindrance is age stigma? Do you notice that some older people maybe uh, feel like they, they kind of give, I don't know, I want to say give up, but just uh, think that their recovery process is going to be much more difficult than somebody else. Yeah. I mean, you know, like in other healthcare fields, ageism occurs in the therapy world too. Physical therapists can actually be at risk for unintentional undertreating of older patients, you know, especially if the therapists have less, less experience. It's hard to push a patient who is a little bit older, who maybe needs more rest breaks or says, you know, hey, I can't handle this because, you know, you feel bad. You don't want to hurt them. You don't want them to be in pain or be too tired. But on, you know, the other side, you want them to progress and meet their goals so that they could be safer to go back home. Um, you know, I feel like for certain surgeries, you know, like, for example, range of motion exercises, so mobility exercises after like a total knee replacement um, are important and they should be the focus of your treatment regardless of the age, whether you're 45 or 75, you know, that component of the recovery is so important. It doesn't matter what your age is. If you don't get that component of your recovery, you won't be able to do certain things like sitting down. You know, you need 90 degrees of uh, flexion in your knee just to sit down in a chair. If you don't push yourself to get that, you're never going to be able to do simple mobility things, you know. Um, and to be honest with you, I, I think I think the view of ageism in healthcare, at least in therapy, is changing a little bit. You know, just the other day I was talking to my colleague about age and healthcare because she was saying, you know, I'm a nurse, I'm 60, I'm really 60, I'm getting so old, I don't know if I can do this anymore. And I said, you know what, like 60 is the new 40 in healthcare, you are not old unless you're 90 or over, you know, and we <laughs> talk about it all the time in therapy. You're not old unless you're 90 or over. If you're not at that point yet, then you still have a lot of potential. There are even people who are in their 90s. Who can do with things my grandmother's 97 she lives alone independent you know and that's just because she is she wants it that way she has never stopped she has been self-motivating she wants to be independent she likes that aspect of it and there's a lot of seniors that i think feel the same way you know i don't i don't think that i think age the way we look at age is changing for sure especially in the therapy world another thing too that maybe has kind of settled down now that we're getting further out of the pandemic but so many people that weren't playing sports for a while then became physically active and that just increases the risk for injury. Did you see a lot of that or still seeing a lot of that? And maybe what suggestions would you have for people that are getting back to being physically active that weren't for a while? Yeah. So, uh, during the pandemic, you know, obviously people were stuck at home and they were taking up new activities and new hobbies. Uh, the one that I saw the most of was pickleball. I guess I don't even know what that is yet, but I had a lot of people who were like in their 50-ish age range who were playing that and then tore a ligament or sprained something and then ended up having to have like a arthroscopy or some kind of scope, you know, surgery. Um, but, you know, most of the time those patients are recovering really well. Those, those surgeries, the research shows, like I said, if you're getting up and you're participating immediately, the sooner the better, then there really isn't an issue with recovery. You know, you just got to follow the rules that your surgeon is setting and your therapist and you should be okay. Like I said, of course, there are, there are challenges and people have complications with their recovery. But as long as you're following the rules, you know, most of the time we see really great results. So. It is, it is amazing how fast you see athletes recover from injuries. Now, you know, torn ACLs are not nearly as debilitating as they used to be. You look at Justin Verlander this year, coming off Tommy John, having one of the best years of his career at age 39. Um, so have you noticed that over the years that the Surgical techniques are more and more precise, leading to yes. quicker recovery times. 
Absolutely. I can't really comment on the actual techniques that surgeons are using. I know they're ever changing because medicine's always changing. Um, but I will say there are definitely even, even just changes in therapy. You know, when I started 10 years ago, we were talking about patients having these certain machines after a total knee replacement, because at that time they thought, well, this increases your mobility. It'll help you get those degrees of motion that you, you need after that kind of surgery. And if you, you know, look at the research in the past 10 years, that's actually completely the opposite now. Now doctors are saying, you know, we, we don't need that. It's better for the patient to start moving, not the machine to start moving them. You know what I mean? These, these continuous passive motion machines have actually proven not to be beneficial for a total knee replacement, which is really interesting um, because there are still some doctors who have theories that they are beneficial. I will say, I think that the only benefit from that kind of device is mental because physically it's better, obviously, if the patient's doing the exercises themselves, but on your off time, when you're resting or if you're, you know, like in bed, people feel really comfortable. They feel really successful because they're doing something, you know, when they're resting, but even though the machine is doing it, I, like I said, I think the mental aspect of just thinking that they're constantly working and, and there's some benefit to like, be moving all the time, helps them stay motivated to, to do what they're supposed to do on their end too. So, so are, are there other MARTA type success stories that you have to share? We talked about yours at the beginning of the podcast, but with others that you've worked with, what are some of the favorite recovery stories that you've come across? Yeah. So uh, my favorite. So I had a patient who was a young guy, actually, he had had surgery somewhere else. And I don't remember like what health system he came from. Um, but he had had an issue with orthopedic ankle and foot surgery. I, I, he had hurt himself. Um, he had surgery after surgery because he had constant infections. Um, it was actually over a course of a couple of years. And eventually he ended up losing his leg below the knee because the infection had spread so far. Um, and, you know, he had a lot of physical barriers and mental barriers to overcome. He was a young guy. He was my age. You know, he was married. He had young children. He had to give up his career. Um, and he came to me non-ambulatory and he couldn't walk because, you know, he had lost his leg and he hadn't been fitted for a prosthesis yet. Um, and over the course of like a month that we worked together, he was able to get fitted for his prosthesis. He was able to become ambulatory. He walked out of the clinic when he was ready to go. Um, and we're still in touch today. We still see each other. We still keep in touch online because, um, I feel like the connection, like I said, it wasn't just physical, it was mental. He was my age. And I had to be there for him and support him and, and, and motivate him to be successful because if he wasn't, then, you know, his family, it would affect his family life and his personal life and his career. And I'm happy to say that he was able to go back to work. His kids are beautiful and amazing and growing and I couldn't be prouder of him. It was, you know, all because of him. He did great work. There were days that were really, really hard for, for both of us, you know, but we persevered and he did great. And now he's living his best life post COVID. <laughs> yeah. That's gotta be the best part of your job because when you think about it, people come to you, there's something they can't do in their life now. And that's, you're trying to get them back to the things they used to do. Volleyball was such a big part of your life gone. Um, when you got that back, well, how life-changing was that for you? So yeah, I can only imagine every person that you work with, as you get them back to doing the things that they love to do, that's just gotta be the best part about the job. I mean, it definitely is a great part of the job. It feels really great to help people and to make sure that they're meeting their goals too, because it's not just about the goals that I want them to meet. It's about their personal goals too. You know, like all the things I want them to do is great, but if you're not able to go back to the hobbies and activities and events that you love, then what's the point? 
you know. Absolutely. So Marta, you know, there might be some people that are listening to this, maybe didn't get their surgery done at Surgeon's Choice, but still would love to work with you. So you can basically work with anybody, right? Even uh, I hadn't even thought of people that just got fitted for prosthesis too, like a wide range of people. So give our listeners and viewers an, an idea of who you would all work with and how they would best get in touch with you to get started. Sure. So uh, we actually do have a surgical center here at Surgeon's Choice. So um, we do have patients that have their surgeries here and then they come to our hospital unit um, after for recovery. Uh, Most of the time, our patients who are having surgery here are going home within like a day or two. But we also have a a, um, enhanced rehab hospital stay program for patients who are coming from a different healthcare system. So um, the program consists of a unique seven-day rehab stay. It's for orthopedic, neurological, and cardiopulmonary patients. Uh, We offer three hours of therapy, six days a week. There are private rooms, individualized private therapy sessions. They're all one-on-one. We have a huge gym. It's half of the entire unit. It's just a gym. So we have a huge space to offer for patients. And we also have an activities department. Um, We offer things for patients to do like on the side when they're not in therapy so they can have fun so they can remember like why they're here to stay motivated you know just because you're at the hospital doesn't mean you can't do something that you used to love at home we have patients who come down to the gym who play bowling we've got we virtual reality you know like just because you're here doesn't mean you can't have fun too our goal is to get patients or to offer our patients you know an intense therapy program so they can return back home as soon as possible you know we want them to be safe have the best mobility have good family support um, and we can offer that, you know, it's, it's not for everybody, but if there are patients who are, um, at other hospital systems or in other healthcare systems who are looking for an intense rehab stay, that's what we can offer. And should people contact you directly, Marta, to schedule or go on the website? What's the easiest way to do that? Um, I always tell people you can call us. We do have a website. It's just surgeonschoice.com and our contact information is on the website. There is some information about this rehab enhanced hospital stay. Um, but we also have a Facebook and an Instagram account that we update weekly with helpful information. So you can follow us there or just contact us via phone or via email. Very good. Well, I think anybody listening to or watching this could easily see the passion and joy that you have for this job and, and would love to work with you. So hopefully, uh, even if it's one person we help connect you with here as well worth our time. Thank you so much, Marta. Absolutely. Thank you for having me.